You're listening to the My Three Picks podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ages. On each episode of the show, we'll be talking with some really interesting people who will be sharing three of their favorite pictures with us. Maybe it'll be pictures they've been in, pictures they've taken, or pictures they just really like. But the common thing between all the pics will be that there's something important or meaningful to those pictures that has had an impact on their lives somehow. So sit back, get comfortable, and let's get on to the podcast. All right, welcome back to the My Three Picks podcast. Um, spring is finally here. Thank you very much. And so too are the vaccines that are rolling out across the world, which gives me hope that uh, finally travel will be something that's realistic again. And, you know, honestly, for me, it's been one of those things that I've missed most about the pandemic. Just that feeling that I could get away. Like I could, you know, I'm having a crap day. I could get on a plane and go somewhere. It keeps me going. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to getting back to that form of escape. Um, but I digress. So I've said that before. I, I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Like I think the pandemic has been awful, awful for so many people. But for some people, in some ways, it's been an opportunity to try things uh, that we haven't done before or try things we wanted to give a world to. So this podcast is one of those things for me, for example. And I think once I get to interviewing my guest today, uh, fashion designer Savannah Miller, I will ask her the same question. But before we go there, a little background on Savannah. Uh, born in New York, lives in it. This is the this is the very abbreviated version. So born in New York, lives in England. Uh, she's worked with designers like Alexander McQueen and Matthew Williamson. She started a fashion label called 2812 with her sister. And in 2016, started her own very successful bridal label, Savannah Miller Bridal. Basically, she's killing it. And, you know, she's been doing a great job at it. And she's here today. So thanks so much for coming on the show, Savannah. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. Yeah. So let's get down to business. And I'm going to go back to that question that I said uh, in the beginning. Have you been doing anything new or anything like, you know, you've wanted to kind of do during the pandemic time? So I have, I grew vegetables, I grew kale and carrots last lockdown, in the beginning of the lockdown when I had time. Um, I had all kinds of ideas that I was going to make a quilt and I was going to learn how to make wontons and dumplings because they're my favorite food. Did I ever? I didn't do any of that stuff. You know, there was a lot of kind of big intentions. I definitely ordered a bunch of stuff to do all those things. And, you know, I have three kids who I have to homeschool and Mm. I had to keep running my business. So it was a bit of a fantasy, I think, to think I was going to be making wontons for months. (laughs) But you like, but like, but you like wontons. I love them. Yeah, okay. I was actually born in Hong Kong, Mark. I know that. My know. sister was born in New York. Oh, well, there you go. Not that, not that I ate one long as a newborn, but, you know, I definitely love Chinese food. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, I, so do you like dim sum? Yes. Okay. I guess that's kind of one, like noodly wonton, sort of in the same family, isn't it? Dim sum? In the same stuff. In the same yeah. family. So... What was it like going back through the my request of you, which was to choose three photos? Like, was that a, bit, was that a little bit of nostalgia, like a little nostalgia journey going back through that? It was quite challenging because I was thinking, where do I begin? Mm. And where, because obviously I wanted to talk about work and 
why I do what I do. And yeah. so, but then I remember that I had actually an album of these kind of photographs on my desk because I'd given a talk once about the progression of my career. So I just went back in there and, and it was amazing to look through all of those and see I've been doing what I do for a good 20 years. So it's been, right. it's been an amazing journey thus far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a bit of little, little nostalgia trip, but well, and Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, in terms of your background, like, so you're, you're, I'm going to get it right this time too, by the way. So your dad, your dad was an art dealer. Correct me if I'm wrong as I go. Nope. Dad, yes, dad mm-hmm. art dealer, mom model. Yes. True. So you, clearly had people who were kind of in the creative space and had some kind of creative lineage for sure and I think that they were just they were very creative and I think that their friends were very creative they had a really bohemian crowd one was from America and my mom is from South Africa and all of their friends were from all over the world so we constantly had different interesting people coming in and out of their house and they were always throwing fabulous dinners and people were playing the piano and it was a really kind of colorful Mm. exciting childhood and they traveled a lot it always took us back to their respective homes and around Mm. the world which was an amazing thing so our eyes were always wide open to the fact that it wasn't just England and that was that was a real gift yeah from a creative point of view because it made it gave us the sense of anything being possible right and did you like from that from a very early age were you kind of like okay I know I want to be doing something kind of in this space but did this was design like the the focus for you or were you I like, had I'm no gonna idea. be a rock star or no I had I loved horses I used to ride a load okay and I loved reading and I was very academic at school so my parents were always trying to kind of funnel me into a profession that was right. you know they wanted me to be a lawyer or something and I, yeah. I mean I just I didn't really understand that I could make a job make a living out of doing what I really love to do, which is to yeah. make. I mean, yeah. from the age of six, I was knitting on pencils right. and with string because they wouldn't buy me knitting needles because they thought it was dangerous. Mm. Um, you know, and and uh, by the time I was 14, my mother didn't have a single wooden spoon in a house that was the right color because I was constantly tie-dyeing and experimenting with textiles and shibori and all this kind of stuff right. in her basement. It was quite right. nice, rainbow wooden spoons. Yeah. Probably not that hygienic. <laughs> But um, <laughs> a bit toxic, maybe. Yeah. Mm. But um, but it was very clear when when I track it back that making was my oxygen, and that was clearly yeah. what I was meant to be doing. I right. think that they had a little bit of a challenge, my parents, with the notion that you know if you're going to be an artist, it's a really challenging path to take because yeah. not everybody who does that is successful, and you know right. ultimately we need to survive on this planet and need to be financially um successful as well so mm. i think they were really concerned that they didn't really want me to do they didn't see it as a a, a valuable path yeah why do, I don't, why is it that parents always want us to be lawyers or doctors i don't know what i don't know it's, it's really like, funny it's like, and also they weren't so it's like why yeah. would you want me kind of <laughs> right. like is there a, is there a manual you, love something, you know if you love something enough you work really hard at it. You're going to be successful because you. Right. I'm a determined little thing, and if yeah. you know, I didn't give up until I get where I need to go. Mm. Um, so yeah, interesting. Anyway. Yeah, I feel like there's a manual that parents get when they leave the hospital. It's like here are the professions to suggest to your children: lawyer, doctor. Mine did the same, of course.
thank you for sharing your three picks with me. And I want to get to the first one because, you know, I was having a very hard time conceptualizing <laughs> this. Like, <laughs> and, and of course, you know, those who are, those who are following on the podcast, please go and, and check out image one uh, that Savannah gave. It's let's tell me about this photo. I mean, I will, you know, we talked a little bit about this just a moment ago before we came on the air, but one of the things I like best about this photo is the fact that nobody else is even remotely close to dressing up. <laughs> what, what's happening here? What's going so, on? So my best friend, Tora Summers, who's an actress, used to have a fancy dress party for her birthday every mm. year. Okay. And it was a competition. And I'm right. competitive. I wanted to win. But I also loved making things. And so in this photograph, I'm dressed as an alien. But I mean, honestly, you know, I think if I'd landed on Mars, they would have turned me around and sent me back. <laughs> Said, no, 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 you were definitely not one of us. I have silver spray-on leather pants. I have a, I made a corset out of bubble wrap and wire and tinsel like Madonna cone boobs. I made a tinsel swimming cap. And I painted some, of, you know, washing up gloves, silver. And I think I had silver tinsel on my clogs. It's a real mess. And then just to finish it all off, I painted my face silver just for kicks. Right. You right. know, really drive the point home that I was yeah. definitely a silver alien. <laughs> and I did win. You'll be pleased to hear I oh, won. good. Thank but God. The, the reason I shared the picture with you was, A, it was taken in my mother's living room before I went to the party, which is why no one else in the living room is dressed like an alien or a mad person. <laughs> Right. Um, secondly, right. because it was the first time it really landed that I really loved making clothes. Yeah. I really loved making things that I could wear. Yeah. And I was only 11 in, or 13 or something in the picture. Okay. And I remember feeling like I had this idea in my head and it literally came out of my hands and there it was before right. me. Right. So even though it looks ridiculous now, it felt like a complete revelation at mm. the time. I felt mm -hmm. so charged from it and I felt so euphoric and elated and that's when you have when you are a creative person you have that moment where you feel like it all comes together and exactly what you were trying to say is in front of you it's really right. powerful yeah so despite the fact that I look completely ridiculous yeah it's my moment the moment I realized it's, yeah I be a fashion designer <laughs> well no it's it's interesting you say that too because I think like a lot of people that I speak to you know, talk about that kind of like serendipitous moment where things just, you know, the clouds part, the sun comes down and they're like, yeah, oh, this is exactly where I should be, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So sounds like you had one. I mean, I can only imagine you landing on Mars and they're like, no, not another lawyer. Go back <laughs> to where you come from. Um, so you, you know, just speaking about that design process too, like, you, you know, from, from your work with, you know, Summit, like, you know, the most revered and, and, and known designers in the world, like Alexander McQueen, like to your own brand, uh, to your, to your, your, you know, your current bridal space, like it's a journey. What do you like about, what do you like about bridal best? So I kind of fell into the bridal thing by accident. I, I, um, I got married and at the time my sister was dating Jude Law. We, this was like pre Pinterest and things. I mean, we got married mm. in 2005. Mm. but she was in those days the paparazzi had no control and we had checked the place out I was very in my own little bubble I just had a baby and we mm. lived in the countryside and I wasn't really aware of what was going on yeah unbeknownst to us a paparazzo had got up a tree and camped out there all night so there, did, there were aerial did. photographs of my wedding on a, on the front cover of hello which is like a, mm. a, a 
UK I know it. Um, I know Boston it. magazine. Yeah. And um and basically the photographs were seen by Molly Guy, who's a friend of mine who lives she's now a friend who lives in Williamsburg in New York. And yeah. she um had a, a cool store called Stone Fox Bride on Broadway, and it was the first sort of Bohemian bridal outlet. Mm. And before all of this Bohemian bridal thing was even a thing. Yeah. And so she saw my wedding, which was just us in the field, you know, with flower crowns on because we were kids and this yeah. is the kind of stuff we liked. Yeah. Um, but she was like, this is exactly what I've been trying to say in my mm. store. So she, in fact, no, she hadn't set the store up. She set the store up because she saw the wedding and she was really inspired by it. So then when, when, then she contacted me and said, we must collaborate. I'd love to do a collection with you. Yeah. And eventually we got round to it and, um, it was really well received. And so then I thought, oh, this is interesting. I'd never even yeah. considered being a bridal designer, but I really loved it. And I have to say, there's something so powerful about people in love looking at one another and promising right. to love each other forever. Yeah. In and you've have had a part to play in that moment. It's really, really magical. Right. I'm not I mean, I'm not a complete fantasist. I understand that these things don't always work out. But it was it's it, it's an amazing thing to be involved in. And obviously mm. because it's such a special event and it's such a moment in people's lives sure it has to be really considered from a design point of view and we can really kind of go there with fabric and yeah. detail and yeah and i really enjoy that i really enjoy yeah. taking time yeah it's a very i mean it is a very it's a very i mean i i'm married um i have four kids so wow, I mean, well the, the, the marriage and the kind of like staring lovingly into each other's eyes about the you know has has long has, has long gone long gone <laughs> Um, but I do remember the day <laughs> um, and I remember kind of those feelings. Um, but, you know, I, as I was thinking about kind of, you know, the, as I was thinking back to my past and like thinking about um, bridal design and, you know, what you talk about in terms of like the, the specialness of that day, it's kind of like, is it kind of like Groundhog Day for you in the sense that you kind of get to live it over and over again? Never, never, never. Gets old. Okay. never gets old. Okay. No. I, I literally, every time they send me those pictures, I'm just elated. Okay. It's just so beautiful. I'm a hopeless romantic, I'm oh. afraid. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're giving us hope. Giving us hope today. I love right. it. Yes. Hope I is good. It. You have to be optimistic. Yeah. I mean, I, on a, a quick side note, like I, I, I read an interview you did a few years ago. You mentioned that you took inspirations like from artists like Virginia Woolf and old like Hollywood glamour mm-hmm. and, 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 and you talked about it, like, you know, in your own, you know, uh, wedding, like that kind of pastoral English whimsy kind of mm-hmm. vibe. Right. And just as a side note, I named my kids, Georgia and Oliver out of that very same notion. Oh, that's so nice. They're beautiful names. Yeah. I have, I've got, so I've Georgia, Oliver, and I have, Alexander, he's the boring one. Alexander and uh, Gabriella. You can't say he's the boring one. Oh, I know he he's not. I know that. But I mean, he's as far as the names one. go, he's like he's the. Oh, he's, the name he got the boring name. I see. He's fourth. Mean. He's definitely fourth place on the list there. But oh, poor guy! Don't know. <laughs> but he's so he's so amazing. I love you. Shout out to Alex if you're listening to the podcast. He's four. <laughs> he's four. He's definitely not listening to the podcast. <laughs> So, I mean, in terms of, in terms of kind of like learning about design and, and kind of your own education in that space, you went to St. Martin's College of Art and Design. I did. Art and design. Um, I did. So you can legitimately claim to being an artist. Do you consider yourself an artist? 
Um, no, probably not, because I have quite a kind of classical opinion on what art is. I okay. guess I would say I was a creative, um, but um, yeah, this my second picture. Mm-hmm. Fact, Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. I ended up at St. Martin's. So my second picture is a picture of a model called Jade Parfit standing at a glass window with crazy birds coming out of her head. Yes. And I was about 18 at the time and maybe 19. And I became obsessed with Alexander McQueen. And mm-hmm. he was in the press an awful lot in those days because it was very much, he was the, you know, what did they call him? I can't remember, but it was something, you know, he was like the wild kid on the yeah, block. Yeah, I remember that. And it was that. the 90s and it was all completely avant-garde, and new and exciting. And he felt, it felt like he was really pushing the, the boundaries. And I would say he was an artist because what he did was extraordinary. Yeah. So I got completely obsessed. Anyway, I found out that he was doing a fashion show and I called his studio in London and I said, can I come and help? Do you need any help at all? I'll do anything. What do you need? Mm. I'll be a runner. I'll do whatever you need. And they were like, no, no, we're fine. We're fine. Um, let's, let me take your number in case something goes wrong. Mm. And so they wrote down my number. And then literally five minutes later, this girl called back and she said, uh, we've, one of our ushers has just cancelled. Can you come? Mm. And it was literally in an hour, the show. Wow. So I, I legged it down. I got myself really dressed up. I put on like leather pants and a beautiful top, loads of makeup. Mm. Ran down there. And... Um, and I arrived and they put me on the VIP seating. So I was within an hour of getting this call. I was showing Grace Jones and Gwyneth Paltrow to their seats. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. So that was the first, my first live encounter with Alexander McQueen was at that show where that picture wow. is taken. And it was the most extraordinary. He made basically a glass cube in the middle of the room, yeah. which had reflective glass. So the people inside couldn't see out. Okay. But we could see in, and it was like a padded cell around the, a foot of the base of the of the um, room, yeah. and then and then he had oh no maybe he didn't have a padded maybe it wasn't in the center of it there was another glass cube which had reflective on the other side so that the the mirror, the girls were basically the models were walking in a in a circle essentially around the cube inside yeah. a cube yeah staring at themselves, the reflection of themselves in the mirror. And they all had these crazy headpieces on, which made them look like, the collection was called The Birds anyway, yeah. made them look like they were being attacked by birds. Crazy. But it was so creative. Yeah. He had a dress that was made entirely out of seashells, clam shells, and no, razor, razor clams. You know, those really long I do. Yeah. ones. He literally treated them like sequins. And he'd embroidered this entire dress in razor clam shells. It was totally mental and it blew mm. my mind that this mm-hmm. was what fashion was. Yeah. And I was like, literally at that moment, I was like, right, okay. So all of that playing around in my basement, that's mm-hmm. what this is. This is right. what I want to do. This wow. is amazing. This is like the most incredible moment of my life. Anyway, to cut a long story short, yeah. at the end of the show, when all the girls left the cube, yeah. the central cube, the glass walls were released yeah. and they smashed inside the thing. And right in the center was this obese, beautiful, obese woman who had like a, a gas mask on her face and she was naked, lying on a chaise longue. And the entire, her cube had been filled with moths. So okay. the glass smashes and the entire big cube starts filling up with moths. It was, honestly, 
Yeah, it was completely extraordinary. Never seen anything like it in the in a fashion show ever, and you'll never see anything like that again. No. So no wonder it kind of woke me up to thinking I need to go to school where he went to school. This is too incredible for words. Right. Wow. I've never heard of anything like that. I mean, if you can see that online, check it out because it was wow. just mind blowing. I was, I, you know, as you started that story, I was going to like, she's like, I, so she called me back and I was like, please don't tell me you went down in the alien outfit to, <laughs> like, just don't, don't say that, please. This is my moment. Yeah. I'm going to show them I can create too. Do this. <laughs> oh, thank God. No, thank God. <laughs> um, so going, I mean, going from that incredible story of like, you know, just the creativity of McQueen. I, I want to talk to you about living, a uh, living like literally physically living where you do. You live in the Cotswolds. I do indeed. Yes, I live. And in- so it's such a beautiful, like peaceful area. What, like, why? What really is that? Is. How does that? Well, like, what, does that what does that mean to you? Like, do you, do you, do you? No, what does it mean to you? But like, how important is that to you? So when I met my ex-husband, I lived in London, and he lived in Devon, mm-hmm. and. We had friends who lived in the town where we li- where we now live. Okay. And he and uh, so I went and lived in Devon with him for a while. We had our first child. Yeah. And then I got a really I started the business with my sister. Okay. And so I had to be closer to London because our offices were there. All right. And so we picked this town in the middle of Devon in London, which is where I live now, um, mm. simply because it was equidistant between our both of our hometowns. Okay, got you. We had one friend who lived there. I mean, right. that was it. But when you're 26, you just kind of do what you do. You don't need yeah. to think about it, right? Yeah. Um, and I, it, you know, have, I've lived here 15 years. I absolutely love where I live. It's amazing. It's mm. an absolutely, it's a heavenly place. There's a lot of artistic people around here. Damien Hurst's studios are here. Mm-hmm. I have a great friend called Dan Chadwick, whose father, Lynn Chadwick, is an incredible sculptor, was an incredible sculptor. sculptor. Mm. So there's a lot of inspiring people. And it just feels like, it's sort of betwixt and between what you imagine the countryside to be and the city, because there are a lot of people coming out of London. It's just about commutable. Right. So I can go up and back in one day. It's like an hour and a half into town. It's not right. difficult. Yeah. So it just That's works amazing. perfectly. And I love it because it goes at a slower pace and I yeah. find city life quite overwhelming. We wanted to raise our kids in the countryside as well. We didn't want to raise the kids in the city because my husband is just a kind of wild man and he loves mm. being outdoors and he was never going to be, he could never have lived in a city. It's just not right. his bag. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it's a bit of a, a bit of a, like I was thinking, as I was thinking about it, it was kind of a juxtaposition, right? Because like you're spending time doing what you do in London. Like you spend a lot of time in New York too, right? Well, I did you pre-pandemic. Did. Right. Okay. So you've got and these kind of weeks. juxtapositions, right? You've got crazy, crazy Savannah Miller designer city woman and you got crazy savannah miller mom with three kids <laughs> crazy savannah miller basically <laughs> yeah um I, I, didn't, I didn't i didn't i meant it in the best possible way i know you did but love it's the truth it's a lot it's a lot having three kids and i i work three jobs i have three projects on the go at the moment mm. um which is wonderful, but it takes up a lot of time. So I have yeah. to be slightly crazy to manage it all. But <laughs> I, I feel you. I feel you. I know. I've, my four, I, I wonder what the heck I'm doing half the time. You know, we talked about a bit about like the design process and things like, 
talk to me a little bit like progression over time. Like, would you, would you do anything in terms of the, the start of your career, the development of your career? Would you do anything differently? Like looking back? Well, no, because I made decisions based on wanting to be a present parent. Okay. I mean, if I had not had my kids, I had my kids really young. I was 26 when I had my first kid. Okay. And if I had stayed in the city and not had children, then I probably would have been a lot more successful and I would have probably still been in my first company and I would have made it work. But mm. having a family was all that ever mattered to me more than anything in the whole world. And right. I still feel that way. Like my children are my whole world. Right. I love being a mom and I love creating too, but I was definitely put on this after mother. It's definitely my yeah. number one role. So you know, awesome. no, I wouldn't do anything differently. I mean, obviously you can look back and be like, oh, what if I'd taken that road mm. and I wouldn't be here now? But obviously it's all learning, isn't it? And I feel yeah. like as life goes on and the older I become, the more aware I ha- awareness I have around it, it all just being part of this kind of wonderful motley mix up of a puzzle called life. And actually True. I just True. have so much gratitude for all the lessons and all the amazing experiences I've had. Have you had your, have you had have you had your midlife crisis yet? Do you know what? I didn't have a midlife crisis. I had a really incredible epiphany, which is weird. At the beginning of the first lockdown, so I'm 42. Beginning of the first lockdown, I was 41. I was, I was working for a business, a very big British high street department store who, who ran into some serious trouble at the beginning of the last lockdown. And it left us all in a tricky spot. Mm. And it was very, very challenging at the beginning of lockdown to be in that in that spot without kind of, I'm not really legally supposed to say anything, but it wasn't pretty. Yeah. And I had to surrender to whoever or whatever is out there. And just, I, I was walking through beautiful fields near where I live and I was walking through these fields and I was stroking the grass because it comes to like waist height at some point yeah. in the year. Yeah. And I remember thinking, whatever you are or whoever you are, I surrender. I just can't do this actually. I can't hold this on my own. This is too much. Right. So if there is somebody out there, I really could do some help right now. Yeah, yeah. And I was literally flooded from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes with love like I've never experienced in my life. It was, and you've had four kids, so you yeah. know what that love feels like. It yeah. was mind blowing. It was literally like bigger than anything I've ever experienced. Now, you could be cynical and say that was me just you know, accessing my own letting go or whatever. I don't know, but I did feel like there was something bigger at play and that it would be okay. I did sense a divinity about that moment. And also that springtime last year in England was so sublime and beautiful. And I just felt deep gratitude that no matter what happened, I could still watch the sun come up. I would still hear the birds singing. I would still have this beautiful land to walk on. So Mm. yeah, it was an amazing um, experience. Um... So that was, you know, that was my, yeah. my, strange, my strange moment. I wouldn't call it a midlife crisis. It was more of a kind of excel, uh, accepting. That's interesting. I mean, kind of going off script here a little bit, but I, I did, I, I've got a good friend in Toronto who, who's, um, she's an old friend of mine, but she's, she's, she's now kind of transformed herself into like a midlife, not, yeah, I mean, a, a midlife coach, like a coach for people, you know, kind of in their 40s and 50s who are like, having these moments, you know, just like, wow. You do, it's definitely, you definitely you know? feel like you're on the cusp of something, don't you? Yeah, you do. When I turned 40, I was definitely like, okay, this is a reckoning. I remember feeling very reflective and looking back mm. and being like, okay, I, 
the rest of it can't be like this. I got, I did actually get divorced when I was 40. So mm. I definitely probably had not a midlife crisis, but it was definitely a waking up and a realization that life isn't that long actually. And you need to make the most of it. So yeah. interesting. Yeah. Let's go to your third pick. So that's you and your sister. Speak, I mean, you know, because nothing grounds you like family, I hope. I mean, some people don't always have that luxury, but sometimes families crush them. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I do know people like that. They hate their siblings. They hate their family. I know. No, so we, that picture is there because we started a brand together that was my first kind of foray into having my own label. Yep. And it was really significant because it was a huge success and it really enabled me because we had amazing financial backers. We were with Pepe Jeans at the time and they really believed in us. They really gave us a full creative free reign. Mm -hmm. But I had to be really brave. I mean, I was 26. We started this label. We had incredible studios in Notting Hill in London. Mm -hmm. And on my first day, I had to place an order for... 46,000, no, 25,000 rivets, which are the little studs yeah. that go on your jeans pockets. Yeah. I had to decide what they were going to look like. 26,000 okay. units. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never designed jeans in my life. I didn't probably even know what a rivet was. And I had to <laughs> pretend that I knew what I was doing. I was really like yeah. confident and like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm, yeah, we're going to do this, you know. Mm, mm. And, and, and thank God it worked. And I had a really wonderful lady who worked with me called Elsa Elphick, who's still a very mm. good friend. Um, and we had an amazing time. And it was thanks to the support and love of my sister that that brand was such a huge success because we have a very unusual relationship in that people always expect that like, people are always saying don't you fight don't you guys like ever we have mm. never fought we fought as kids over like she stole my jumper yeah you know, sure sure basic stuff mm. but we really respect each other and we both say that we feel like we are the other's other half like mm -hmm. we balance each other out perfectly what mm -hmm. i don't have she has and what she doesn't have i have so when we're together we just feel whole yeah Sounds cheesy, but it's really, really true. I have the same um, relationship with my brother. So. And it's it's magic, actually. So working together was a yeah. miracle because we, you know, she really pushed me. She would come up with these crazy ideas. And ha having had no technical training, she right. didn't know what she was asking was completely impossible. Right, you know, right, like, right. oh, you can't put zips all the way up the backs <laughs> of the jeans because there's no seam there. So right. there's no way to put the zip. And she was like, let's try it. Right. And we did. And they were our best-selling pair of jeans. Yeah, we had. They were so cool. They had literally a zip from the ankle up to the bum. Wow! Just for, as a design feature, not yeah, very yeah. comfortable to sit down in mind, but right, right. So constantly, kind of pushed me to really kind of explore my own boundaries within design, which was such a gift because up until that point, it had basically just been. I mean, I was at St. Martin's where they pushed me as well, but this was yeah. kind of pushing yourself creatively in a in a in a commercial space was a real, real gift. And, you know, it, it, it totally and utterly set me on the path that I've basically been on ever since with making great women's wear, yeah. making clothes that make women feel great and that, you know, hopefully make, yeah, yeah. stay in their wardrobes for ages that they can live in and love in forever. Yeah. Well, you're, like, you're working different muscles, right? When you're kind of mm. ordering 26,000 rivets and you're... You haven't done it before. 
Exactly. You could kind of do that. So you, you guys are still close, your sister and you. We are so close. That's great. Yes. Um, tell me about some of your favorite, like outside of work, like what's some of your favorite distractions? What do you do uh, for? What do you do I have for? Two doggies. I have two doggies who yeah. I walk up with. Yeah. I like running. I like yoga. I like exercise. Mm-hmm. And running is in recent discovery, but I absolutely love it. Mm. Um, and I like cooking. Okay. You know, yeah. that's about it, Mark, to be honest. I don't have that much spare time. I, yeah, tell me about it. I know that. I love traveling. And what you said at the beginning of your podcast about traveling was just could not have wrong true for me. I used yeah. to resent. I used to have to go on long haul trips to China and New York at least once a month. And I used to resent them. And I used to moan about the long haul flying and how awful yeah. it was. I will never complain about a work trip ever again they were incredible the food i would sit on a plane for 24 hours right now just to circumnavigate the globe just for the experience of being on a plane yeah you know i've I, on a like a quick side note i've heard that some airlines are actually doing that they were literally just going up and flying around so people could feel like they're on a plane not not for me but i've heard that's true um you know, I was once told that, you know, if you, if you really truly want to know what you should be doing in life, you should ask your friends. So if you weren't a designer, if you weren't in the space, what do you think your friends would say you should be doing? Well, incidentally, when I was 26, also 27, maybe 28, I trained to be a doula, which is a holistic I know what doulas are. Partner yeah. Yeah. Because I had my first baby at home and it was an amazing experience. And so I really wanted to try and share some of the knowledge that I had picked up throughout yeah. my pregnancy yeah. and that amazing empowering feeling that I got from having such a birth, a birth that was so uninterfered with. Uh-huh. And I, I felt like this was my calling. This is what I meant to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously I can't do it because I don't have time to be like, actually, if you get, if you give birth on a Tuesday between six and seven, we can fit you in. I mean, that's how it is. You know what I'm like with scheduling Mark. It's a bit of a nightmare yeah. <laughs> in my diaries. So, so, so I think in my old age, maybe that's what I'll do. Um, because I really love it. And anything making, you know, I will make stuff until the day I die. I love using my hands. I love sewing. I love, I started doing some pottery last winter that I absolutely loved. Anything that's kind of creative and involves making, I'm I'm down Mm -hmm. with it. But connecting with women and particularly at that incredible, right in that rite of passage of giving birth can be so empowering, can also be so disempowering. Um, So I feel really, really passionate about that. That's a great answer. I like that answer. That was a good one. Made me feel that made me feel fuzzy and warm. I like that feeling. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> do you have time for a quick fire round? Let's do it. All right. Pants or dress for bridal? Favorite? Dress. Best way to spend a free 24 hours? Ooh, at the beach. Okay. Person you'd love to design a dress for, bridal or not? Kate Moss. Okay. Full English at your local or brunch in New York? <sighs> oh, definitely brunch in New York just because I've not been there for such a long time. But full English at the local sounds pretty damn good too, mate. Yeah, it, totally. Something or someone that is inspiring your work these days? My sister always inspires me. Okay. And a word or phrase that you most overuse? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Canadian of you. 
we're very English people are always apologizing, even if they're not on the right. I'm so sorry, my food's arrived and it's not actually cooked. I'm so sorry. Would you mind cooking it for me again? Thanks. That that that's what people say about Canadians too. We always really? say sorry. Well, we oh yeah, quite kindred spirits, aren't we, Brits and Canadians? It's true. It's true. Um, the lightning round is complete then that's it. You know, that is our, that's our podcast. That's, that's the three, so three picks pod, you know, so it's kind of nice and easy. Hopefully it was a nice chat. Thank you so much, Mark. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. What's coming up for you? What's kind of exciting that you're looking forward well, to? Well, in four days time, I don't know when this is going live, but on the 10th of June, I'm launching a new collection for women of women's casual wear, which I'm really excited about with okay. the British department still called Next. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just incredibly exciting for me. I'm doing swimwear, beach, underwear, pajamas, dresses, blouses, t-shirts. It's gorgeous. I'm really, really happy with that. And my new bridal collection is coming out in stores in August, I believe. Wow. A bit in the stores. So yeah, lots going on. You got a lot going on. I do. Well, amazing. I'm so, I mean, I'm thrilled you came on. I'm thrilled we finally got it together and we finally could make thank this happen so too. Much. So thank you for that. Um, Listeners, please go check out Savannah's stuff, uh, savannahmiller.com or Instagram, Savannah Miller. You can see her running and cooking uh, and on her Instagram page. Um, and of course, uh, Savannah Miller Bridal too on Instagram for some amazing pics. So thanks again, Savannah, uh, and take care. Thanks, Mark. Bye. Bye. And that's episode 16 with my guest, Savannah Miller. And once again, I'm so grateful for Savannah coming on the show. We had some difficulty getting time to do the podcast. And then I had some difficulty in editing the podcast. So it's been a long process, but one I think is totally worth it. It was so nice to talk to Savannah and hear her story. As always, please subscribe, uh, like, click, do whatever you do, message me, give me some ideas. If you got some people you want to come on the show, please let me know. Uh, otherwise, you can uh, subscribe everywhere and download wherever you get your podcast from, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever. You know how to do it, please do it. It helps me a lot. Uh, look forward to talking to you on the next episode of the my three picks podcast which will be coming up very shortly look forward to getting some great uh, new guests on too and i am back baby good to be back on the show after a long hiatus talk to you soon take care bye